Complex Cast. My name is Steven, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, John and Zach. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Today we're going to be talking about MTG Arena, some reprints in Iconic Masters, uh, some spoilers in Ixalan, and we're going to talk about why Scapeshift is taking over Modern right now. But before all that, how about we jump into our weekly roundup? John, what did you play? Uh, I played uh, Gabriel Nassif's blue-black control deck in Modern for FNM. Uh, put it up in my video series you can catch on YouTube. Had some really interesting games, including, uh, I think, the third week in a row matchup against Martyr Proc. Uh, this time we drew in game one. But it was still a very interesting game. Um, made a few mistakes, but it was pretty cool. And then I played Tribal Flare in a modern PPTQ on Sunday. Uh, how about you, Zach? I played zero games of Magic this week. Um, being a fifth grade teacher is a little hard. But I did hand out lots of Magic cards to fifth graders, and they seem to be pretty interested. So hopefully I'll get to start teaching some of them how to play soon. Uh, and I also bought a $3,000 Magic collection. That's cool. Anything anything that you're going to be sitting on for a while, or are you just going to be shipping it as soon as you can? Uh, it had a lot of modern voils. Uh some lots of you know blue counter spells that were foiled whether it's uh, spell snare dispels you know just things like that spell pierce um and then there were some expeditions so i think i'll be keeping those for a while uh foil promo full art bolts so those are those are looking nice Ooh, in my binder spicy yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I got some goifs, got some blood moons, Vendillion clicks, snapcasters, just, it was, uh, I was happy about it. So we'll see how, how that, uh, turns up and how much money I can make off of that. Cool. How about you, Steven? What were you playing? I played modern Grixis Control and modern Abzan, and I did poorly with both, I guess. I made a lot of misplays, but there was this matchup that I had against a mono green stompy deck where I went to one life each time in all three games and I ended up pulling ahead in two of those games which is pretty cool did any of you guys see uh, any cool decks uh, yeah I played against a really interesting uh, blue red uh, breach deck in modern at the PPTQ um, I had a really aggressive start game one and I actually killed him before I saw anything other than a remand and some blue and red lands that looked just like the lands storm would play. So I sideboarded um, thinking he was on storm and I uh, inquisition of Kozilic him uh, game two and he had two through the breaches in his hand and I was quite confused. Um, he ended up through the breaching in an Emrakul against me when I was at about 13 life or so and I died on the spot. And then game three, he blood mooned me, and we kind of stared at each other for a significant period of time. And then he got to 15 lands, and he uh, hard cast Emrakul and killed me that way. So that was pretty interesting. Uh, I think he made it into the top eight undefeated. Um, I think he lost in the quarterfinals. I might be mistaken on that. It was either quarter or semifinals. So he did quite well. Um, blood moon was quite good for him the whole day. So. That seems funny. I'm just gonna blood moon you, and then just hope you have yeah. Hope you do nothing until I get to 15 lands. I played a swamp, and uh, I played a surprising number of spells that game, considering I'd been blood mooned for most of the game. That's funny. I think yeah. (laughs) 
I love when I when Blood Moon resolves and then I end up drawing natural drawing my two basic lands in the deck. So good. And just yeah. like, oh, yes. Fantastic. Justice. <laughs> Justice. Yeah. I was really really hoping for that forest and uh I never found it. Uh, uh, probably should have played a bit better against Blood Moon. Should have been a little bit tighter and gotten that forest. Bummer. Yeah. Oh well. Speaking of moon effects, my brother has been uh casting Mag Magus of the Moon in commander online the one versus one he's been playing animar and uh he just started last week and uh, he five out his first league and he's been putting up some good results that's pretty sweet animar is sweet teamer like yeah sign me out it's uh it's kind of a weird format because especially in one versus one you start with extra cards in your hand um and if your deck casts those cards multiple times then you know the the other deck if they're answering it well that's negative card advantage so every time you kill a general it's bad for your card advantage oh yeah because it just goes back to their hand essentially yeah so if you either have to just you kind of have to find a way for you to not care about that in one way or another whether it's by clocking them uh, or just being able to just go over the top or just have such good card advantage that it doesn't matter so that's enough about a magic online only one versus one format let's talk about the new digital product that wizards has finally unveiled mtg arena yeah so uh we got the demo on friday um during their hascon event or during hasbro's hascon event um and it's a standard focused online game with full rules enforcement so it'll be a uh an authentic magic experience as they call it um, where authentic just meaning um, that it's all the rules that we know about the paper game that's going to be transferred into this digital product. Um, and it will, um, and as of right now, it is just still beta. It's still, what we saw was, that's it. That's all they have. So at this point, they're still looking, they're still actively looking for feedback and they're still building this from the ground up. Um, what we saw was just a, a shiny presentation uh, that they had prepared specifically for that event. Yeah, I'd even I'd even call it more of an alpha in some ways than a, than a true beta. Um, they're still a long ways off from having um, a public beta, so they're I'd say late in the alpha process. Currently, they have a they've... a way to sign up to be in the beta to play in it. Yeah, the. Uh, the game is going into a closed beta later this year, it sounds like. They've got a sign-up page for the beta. Uh, it's uh, magic.wizards.com slash en slash mtg arena. Um, allegedly, there are a few things you can do to actually uh, have higher priority for getting into the beta. Uh, providing a DCI number uh, is one way. They uh, are looking at people that play in the Ixalan pre-release, I believe, and those people will have a favorable um, priority for getting into the beta, and they're also giving out promo codes um, for various reasons that will also kind of let you jump the queue above everyone else to get in. So uh, we're going to be hearing a lot more information as we get towards the end of the year, hopefully, unless things get delayed, but hopefully not. So um, something something that I want to touch on on the topic was just that 
uh, Marshall Sutcliffe over at Limited Resources did uh, did a sit down with his old original co-host, but who is now the senior game designer at uh, Wizards of the Coast, uh, Ryan Spain. And they answered a bunch of questions that if you are interested in this product um, would be very helpful to listen to. It is a little long, but it, for me personally, it was worth it. <clears throat> it answered a lot of questions. And one of them that I had very early when MTG Arena was sort of teased at was, is this a project that's going to replace MTGO? And it looks like from that sit down at Limited Resources that their immediate goal is to not be a successor to any product, but to be their own original product and focus more on uh, making sure that the game is built correctly before deciding, you know, is this something that we want to replace MTGO with? Um, Because as it stands right now, it seems like the product that they have made is more streamlined for quick play. Uh, What I mean is quick gameplay rather than, you know, sitting in front of your computer and grinding, um, you know, for like an hour or so and, you know, tanking on certain problems. And this game isn't built for that. It's meant to streamline your experience playing Magic and it's meant to be a quick and fun thing to do. Yeah, I'm interested to see what um, what they're calling their full control mode looks like. And that's where you uh, gain access to all of your um, stops for priority passes, kind of like how um, MTGO currently has. Um, Obviously, MTGO is very Spartan. Um, Arena is uh, much more uh, pretty to look at. It's got a lot more eye candy and visual effects. Um, So I'm curious to see how they've integrated um, their full control mode into this uh, graphic interface. think that might give us a few more options as far as like you said sitting down and having a a longer uh, more in-depth play session if this truly does have full rules enforcement then it is magic and so if that is the case then it is not duels of the planeswalkers it is basically magic online but at this point with a smaller card pool so what that means is that in three or four years the Pro Tour is going to be played on this. Whether it's just one Pro Tour, like it's the, you know, like they have the Magic Online Championship Series now. Like, if it's if they want Magic to be an eSport, which they do, and they want to push Standard, which they do, and if this is made for Standard, that's where it's going. And if you're playing Magic Online, you shouldn't worry at all because everyone who plays Magic Online would be furious if suddenly they couldn't play with their collection anymore. So... That's a ways down the road, but I am very confident based on this that we will see Magic Online getting sucked into this and eventually replaced by this. So they will have some way to not screw everyone over, um, but Magic Online at this point, it's uh, it has an expiration date. And the, the reason I know that is because there's no reason to have two different programs that both have full capabilities. So, you know, Magic Online Magic Online is a way to play Paper Magic on the computer. And that's all it is. It looks exactly the same. You know, there's no fancy graphics, anything like that. If 
for me, that's what I want. I just want to play the card game, but on my computer screen so I can do it wherever I am. There's a lot of people, that's one of their main complaints is why does this program look like this? Well, that's what the card game looks like. So now there's going to be fancy graphics, bells and whistles, all that to make people happy. I'm going to turn that stuff off if I can. Some people, that's will be the reason they play it. Uh, and that's, you know, that's great. There's something for everyone. Um, they say it's not supposed to be a successor. I don't want to say they're lying, but that's not true. They said they're focused on standard. That's because they don't want to have to input 15,000 cards all at one time. They will slowly roll them out. And at some point, you know, we'll get modern. At some point, we'll get legacy. At some point, there'll be vintage. It's going to happen. I mean, while that might be true, I don't think there's any necessary... I don't think there's a reason to focus on that. I think that um, that scenario is probably like 10 to 15 years down the road, especially because this product isn't even isn't even within the next year, maybe year and a half. I'd even go so far as to say we won't see this product for the next two years um, because like the like in that sit down the the game designer the senior game designer really stressed that they don't have anything else what we saw is what we got and that's it so i don't know if i agree with that entirely and the the main reason why is that the game features a lot of 3d effects for certain splashy cards and they've talked about how they're going to have um full voice lines for the planeswalker cards and we saw and their demo a lot of this for Ixalan and so they have a little bit of a timeline imposed just by the fact that they've already put so much investment into the Ixalan cards and their um, surrounding um, digital assets the 3d models and effects together with the audio work um, they could obviously just toss all that out um, or just except the fact that it's you know going to be useful for potentially uh, eternal formats down the line but um, I think the fact that they've put so much of an effort into having these features ready to go for the demo shows that they are looking at a bit more aggressive of a timeline um, for releasing this product and I also think that the eventuality of this replacing Modo is mostly hampered by the rules engine um right now they've got a pretty small sample size of cards to pick from um you know standard interactions are a lot more navigable than something like uh modern legacy or vintage or even edh for that matter edh is probably one of the more difficult formats for them to implement on a platform like this but i think moto is going to be around for quite a while just because of the difficulties in implementing a full rules engine together with the full collection of magic cards that currently exist and just debugging the interactions that arise from between them. Wizards has had a long track record of having difficulties in sussing out these various issues and while I think the new program is going to streamline their ability to implement rules, uh, change it to the rules engine, I think that they're going to encounter a lot more difficulties in applying these older card sets than they might think that they will. MTGO version 4 beta uh, was up for, I think, under a year. I'm pretty sure that only like six months before they just rolled it out and switched everyone over. 
so I I would be willing to bet that this will be fully live in 2018, um, and I think that MTGO will be gone in two, by 2021. Uh, and the my like ten to fifteen years, like Stephen, you said that's, I mean, MTGO is like fifteen years old. Ten to fifteen years is, there's no way they're planning that far out in advance. But like you know, they came out and they said, nope, MTGO is not going anywhere. MTGO is fine. I think that if um, everything was going just great for MTGO and everyone loved MTGO, they wouldn't have to say that. They would just say yeah this is our cool new product and everyone would not even ask about mtgo uh there's there's been a lot of complaints about mtgo for a long time whether or not those are valid we don't need to talk about that at this point um but people want something new they've been saying why do we have something that looks like a 90s product and wizards wants people to play magic the cost of having two different programs just that that's going to add up if they have drafting and it's full drafting on MTG Arena, then you're going to probably lose drafters from MTGO, which means that cards will get more expensive from the new sets on MTGO because there will be less drafters, which means less people will play standard there, less people will draft there, less people will play the other formats, so then MTGO just kind of dies naturally. Yeah, the economy falls apart at that point. Yeah, you need you need people drafting on MTGO, and I think they know that. Uh, and so you know we should expect the price point to be similar. You know, there's no way that this is going to be way cheaper than FNM. If you don't have to, if you can draft for $5, why would you go, you know, that's going to kill their paper game. Well, they said they were going to have in-game currency, so there's a possibility of being able to just play for free if you just play long enough. I think they're really trying to emulate Hearthstone's game model as much as possible. It's already been proven to be successful. Um, It would really behoove them to copy a successful method rather than trying to reinvent the wheel at this point especially since they are not a company that has any sort of, I don't even want to say strong, but they don't have any background at all in being successful. Not since 1993. Yeah. They're just not, they're not successful in the digital arena at all. So anything that they can uh, copy outright from a company like Blizzard is definitely going to benefit them. What I thought was really interesting was the quote, of course, come rotation. We're not going to not let you play with the non-standard cards you have. Will evolve those into a new constructed format, almost certainly. So that was, and that's some real corporate speak there with a lot of negatives. But basically, what they're saying is, almost certainly, there will be some new format come rotation so that you can play with your rotated cards. Um, for those of you that play Frontier, I think Wizards already knows what the new Frontier will be, and it's probably not Frontier, it'll probably be maybe Kaladesh forward, something like that. Um, I'm not sure where the perfect starting point would be, but they almost certainly, that's a quote there, have a plan for that. Well, there's a lot about MTG Arena that we're going to find out in the future and you know, a lot to dissect as is. Um, but that wasn't the only big announcement we got this uh, from last Friday at Hascon. We also got a lot of cards spoiled from Iconic Masters Yes. Um, maybe the biggest of those being Mana Drain with Woo. really awesome new art. Anything you guys saw there that excited you? Mana Drain. <laughs> Mana Drain, right? Yeah. Uh, for Mana me, Drain? for me mostly it was uh, Horizon Ma- Canopy. Mana Drain? Horizon Canopy? 
<laughs> Horizon Canopy and um, and Grove of the Burn Willows. Those yeah. are really really good reprints that we have needed, um, and I think they were at rare. Um, I, I'm yeah, not crazy were. about the new art on Horizon Canopy. I, you know, I think any future shifted border uh, is probably the way to go if you can get it. Um, and then the Grove of the Burn Willows has the uh, From the Vault Realms art, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually uh, made a lot of people that are uh, fans of signed cards extremely happy. The uh, original artist of Grove of the Burmalos is practically impossible to get a signature from. So uh, the art on the uh, from the vault version and the new reprint version of Iconic Masters is actually an obtainable signature. So it's got a lot of people Yay. Really, really excited. And speaking of having people who like nice things... Uh, being excited flusterstorm also got a reprint yes um, yeah that card is very useful in a lot of formats desperately needed a reprint um i actually traded uh zach here a guitar and amp one was it across yeah straight across for straight across storm yeah for what, i got a, a year and yeah, a half gave ago? me a case and stuff like that yeah yeah <laughs> that's pretty funny so uh yeah it'd be good to see that card uh get in value because it's it's a two of in many, many legacy sideboards. That guitar uh, keeps going storm. up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also excited to see uh, a couple uh, more modern focused cards. Uh, Mishra's Bobble. We we badly needed that card to be reprinted. It was fifty dollars not that long ago, and you know it's been hovering in between twenty and forty. Uh, now buy lists have dropped. Star City Games as of uh, this weekend was not buying it. Channel Fireball was paying three dollars on it. And they were as low as like eight bucks on TCG player. Wow. Uh, so once that it's an uncommon. So once that comes out, it's it's gonna be gonna be cheap. And it's not like you know, it's not like it's played everywhere like Serum Visions or Path. You know, it's it's kind of a fringe card. A couple decks play it, and it's important to those decks. Uh, but it's not everywhere. So it's it's gonna get hit hard. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the Elishnoran, Primeval Titan, Kikijiki, um, Bloodgast, Aethervile got another print, Lotus Cobra is being printed again. Um, some of those cards are, are just fun to play with. Some of them I need from my EH deck, others I need just to add to my Magic Collection. Um, but for the most part, I'm just happy they're being reprinted for a little bit of a price drop. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good modern cards there, uh, and let's not forget Ancestral Vision. Um, that's a you know what was over you know it was like sixty bucks, something ridiculous like that. Especially for in modern, it sees some play. Obviously, it sees more in uh, Legacy because you can cascade into it. And not these days, unfortunately. <laughs> but but still, someone's running around doing that, and they're sitting in collections. Oh, um, definitely, yeah. Yeah, they, so you know, those get sucked card- up. That's a card that doesn't leave collections very yeah, frequently. Yeah, I'm. I really like that art. It's uh, it's a, it's kind of an interesting new take on that that suspend style art that they had. Uh, I just, I just thought that was really cool. It's kind of like a portal looking into a another dimension. I don't know the same that dimension. One's, that one's definitely a love hate art. I'm, I'm on the hate side, but I know a lot of people really like it. Yeah, I, I pe- I'm on the fence about it. Really, you're the first person I've actually talked to that hasn't had a very strong opinion one way or the other. Yeah, like at first glance, it looks awesome, and then I start thinking about it, and I just, it kind of loses its grasp on me, and I just get uninterested and walk away. 
I'm also interested about the two burn reprints, uh, Riftbolt and Monster Swiftspear. I think those cards um, were making burn a hassle to buy into for new players specifically. Good. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now that they're being reprinted, I think we'll see a few more burn players hopefully uh, jump into the modern waters from standard. Yeah, so especially buy Kitchen Finks. <laughs> yeah, especially with all the people um, playing stuff like Ramen Up Red these days, um, getting a taste for an aggressive archetype like that, um, making it easier for them to kind of make make the leap over to a non-rotating format is definitely mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. I am unhappy, however, that uh, Swiss beer is still an uncommon. I was hoping to uh, to get that as an option for my uh, my popper cube, although mm. pop <laughs> popper. Popper format players might not have been too excited because uh, that definitely makes Burn much more of a contender. So maybe maybe that wouldn't be worth it. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's probably better to keep that an uncommon. But uh, so yeah, iconic masters. We weren't sure when they were you know teasing it as you know dragons and angels. And I don't know if I saw any dragons or angels. There are dragons There's and plenty angels. Plenty of dragons. Yeah, plenty of dragons. <laughs> um, but definitely not what we pictured at first so so that's kind of nice lots of good reprints speaking of good reprints oh. we have a few more coming our way in october in ixalan who'd like to opt to go first i volunteer you so they're reprinting opt which for those of you that don't know cost blue mana just one a single mana it's an instant scry one draw a card so it's kind of like a many preordained but instant speed what do you guys think i think it's awesome i think it's great that it's going to be in modern now would you say it's optsum optsum yes it is optsum is it really the optimal selection (laughs) oh my god you guys are killing me i'll ask my optometrist Uh, i i'd say it's optional oh my god uh i think i'll be playing it very opt-in oh my god that was awful Uh, optful (laughs) <laughs> yes i'm very excited for opt to be in modern i keep hearing the comparison of it being re- uh, it replacing serum visions in a lot of decks and in my mind i've been thinking that that doesn't really work this the way you would want it to work um it works kind of in decks like um like storm i think but I don't think it works in decks like Grixis Control or Grixis Death Shadow where you really want to be setting up your next turns rather than just drawing the best possible card. I think it's uh, it's going to be good because it gives us a lot more options in the format. Um, options. Right now, options? Yeah, options. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, so you can, uh, you, can, you can opt to play uh, a full eight uh, cantrips now in a lot of decks. Uh, you can play Serum Visions and Opt, which gives you um, just a lot more powerful card selection. It's competing with Sleight of Hand, obviously, but which does he play? For the most it's part, it's play in, in in Storm, obviously. Storm's and, the uh, exception. Yeah, there's a there's a few blue combo decks that that try it out from time to time, but um, the instant speed on Opt is um, likely to be the most powerful effect that you can be casting instant speed, especially in something like a control deck. Have you thought about this card with Snapcaster Mage? It makes it so much better. Oh, it's great. 
Um, but what I was going to say is that uh, it pairs well with Serum Visions because they, they do do subtly different things, right? Um, Serum Visions is going to let you set up your draws for a longer period of time at the cost of being sorcery speed and having that blind draw attached to it. Um, obviously, Serum Visions is better in the early game when you are trying to make sure you hit your land drops or don't flood out, for example, whereas something like Opt is better later in the game when you're trying to gain velocity and and chew through your deck at a, at a faster clip, right? Being more mana efficient, gaining velocity, Opt is probably the best option for that. Um, it doesn't have the built-in card advantage that a card like Think Twice or Anticipate has, but... But it's um, good. But it's good, yeah. Being cheap is just always a great option. Um, that's why cards like Ponder, Preordain, and Brainstorm have been so successful. Just being able to slot them in to almost every point on your curve is extremely powerful and lets you do stuff like play less lands in your deck, which gives you more live draws than a deck that's not um, opting to play a strategy like this. Yeah, Storm uh, keeps getting brought up. Storm is going to be the place where they want you know, as many cantrips as they can get. Right now they run Thought Scour, and I think Thought Scour is okay. But it's, I mean, I sideboard it out frequently when I play with it. It's just kind of a card you can trim. Uh, so Opt for a deck like Storm is going to be a lot better because you, you get to the point in the game where you're like, okay, I need to draw the better card. Whereas uh, Thought Scour, you just get what you get. So Opt is going to be played there, probably over Thought Scour. And then a lot of, like a Delver deck, I can imagine, would want four serum visions and four opt but in a deck like that that's where then i wonder is opt better than sleight of hand because if you look at what they do sleight of hand you get to you get more information you get to see two cards and you get one of them so if both cards are good that's a downside you know you have to get rid of a good card if both both cards are bad at least you get the better of the bad cards and if one card is the card you want and one card is the card you don't want then you just get the card you want but with opt, if both cards are bad, you know, you get rid of the first one and then you just get the second bad one. If both cards are good, you probably keep the first one and then you do end up getting both. Uh, and if one card is good and one card is bad, you, you probably, if you know, depending on which one you see first, you make the right decision. Uh, but so the variables just end up being a little bit different. And I think especially when, you know, when both cards are bad, when you're when you with with serum visions like bottom both with opt you're gonna get one of them you might not get I guess that you just want to bottom the bad cards no matter what because then the next one's gonna come up you're gonna draw it but it's it's gonna get you know you're gonna have to kind of you're gonna have to learn the cantrip just like you do you know, with serum visions there's certain uh, routines with it you know you wanna you wanna fetch first then cast it you know just stuff like that uh, so with opt you can fetch after because you're drawing the card you leave on top if you do leave one. So a little little bit different to play with. And and the instant speed, I really think, you know, if, if you ever played Splinter Twin, sometimes you would fit a Thought Scour or two into the deck because it made Snapcaster Mage so much better to be able to flash it in, end of turn, and draw a card. Uh, it's often correct to main phase Snapcaster uh, and flashback Serum Visions, uh, I think it'll be correct more often to end of turn flashback opt, uh, just because you know you can you at least are showing that you could have counters or whatever, um, and then you're preserving the option of 
do I want to hold up counter magic this turn or not? So it's it's just that flexibility is probably what I think pushes it over the top of sleight of hand. I could be wrong, but it might be good enough that we're going to see a lot of eight cantrip decks start forming, which could be a boost for Delver, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised even if we got rid of Thought Scour in Death Shadow and just played Opt instead, which would make the Delve spell slightly worse, um, but your deck's probably stronger overall. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out is you mentioned um, Delver decks playing Opt. Um, the big disadvantage to Opt in a Delver deck is obviously that you can't set up your Delver with an Opt. Um, you draw the card immediately, so you don't actually get to retain an instant or sorcery on the top of your deck. However, um, Opt is obviously an instant, which increases your spell count for Delver of Secrets and plays quite nicely with other things Delver decks typically want to be doing, like playing Young Pyromancer or getting Prowess Triggers or something like a, uh, a Monastery Swift Spear. So um, the card definitely does not replace something like Serum Visions in the deck. No, definitely but, not. But uh, it is potentially better than something like you said a thought scour um and you know something to note like your with your splinter twin um uh reference is that um that deck often was playing stuff like peak um and yeah. obviously mm -hmm. the information for slightly different yeah reasons, the information yeah. is obviously very important and, and and storm is playing peak in, in some numbers these days too just to see if the the, uh, the you know the coast is clear but um the part of it is too is they just want to have the option to draw a card at end of turn um and opt is definitely superior optimal. yeah it's optimal <laughs> in these type of situations compared to something like a peak or a thought scour what about uh shaper sanctuary that's the next one on the list this is actually a great card that one seems to me like it would just be great in modern infect if that deck ever popped its head up again shaper sanctuary an enchantment for a green mana whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls you may draw a card I'm actually thinking to put this card into Affinity as a four of, some number in the main board and then the rest in the sideboard. It seems like this card is very powerful and I don't, I'm not seeing any, any uh, drawback to it in Affinity, especially because you already play, you just replace the, the copy, or in my list, you replace the copies of Thoughtcast with it and you'll be getting more value out of uh, Shaper's Sanctuary, Shaper's Sanctuary, um, than you would from Thoughtcast. Yeah, the card definitely puts the squeeze on the deck that's trying to be the control in, in a matchup. Um, it rewards you for playing to the board rather than punishing you like these matchups frequently can. Um, you gain the option of being just much more aggressive with your, your creature drops. Um, I know a guy who used to be a big, big Infect player before the Gitaxian Probe uh, banning, and um, he is drooling over this card. He's already been trying out lists, and he can't wait. Just being able to regain some of the uh, card advantage that you, uh, you lose by having your Infector killed after you've cast a spell on it uh, is huge for... Uh, letting that deck fight through some of the more removal heavy decks in the format. So I think we will definitely be seeing a lot of people toying with this card in modern. We will probably see a Saffron Olive video at some point. I would probably bet money on that. <laughs> so how about Spell Swindle? What do you guys think about that card? Uh, I fell in love with this card for 
control in standard. Uh, being able to counter a spell and then uh, let's say you cast you counter a six mana spell and then you can just cast your Gearhulk seems pretty great. It's kind of like a you know it's a five mana mana drain, but the upside is better than mana drains because you get the artifacts that you don't have to use. You know, on your next turn, you could use them right away. Um, so yeah, if you counter a Gearhulk, then you just cast a Gearhulk, right? Exactly. You're in a, in the control mirror. You just counter their Gearhulk, and they say, "Oh, yeah, okay." And then you cast your Gearhulk and cast Glimmer of Genius, and get to dig through your deck, or you know, some other thing. Um, just being able to cast your Gear Hulk for free. This basically just says like, cast spell, uh, spell Swindle, cast Gear Hulk, cast whatever else you want from your graveyard. Maybe even another that same spell Swindle with your Gear Hulk. I don't know. It seems really good. I, I think it's I think it's gonna be something that I'm gonna try out in control. I think in standard that probably be pretty good. Uh, I don't see it in any other four of format. No, um, I think it could cease like fringe play in control, but I don't think it'll be good enough to to make the cut. No, feels pretty Crypt- bad. Was it? Cryptic Command is just a strictly better card. Yeah, yeah, still still an awesome card. It's when cards like that get reprinted, I'm always happy. Yeah. Um, and then when cards get reprinted that I like, I'm also always happy. Spell Pierce, welcome back. Yeah, Spell Pierce. Uh, I was saying before we got started that I would like to see this in in control, but John pointed out that this is more of a tempo card than it is a control card. Yeah. You know, in the first time it was printed uh, in Worldwake standard, I'm saying Worldwake, but that's obviously Zendikar. Um, there were a lot of decks playing as the two or three of uh, even control decks with Mana Leak. Um, you know, there was kind of a one thing in standard people tap out a lot. You know, they have things that cost six and seven. And so Spell Pierce just gets them, you know? They're going to cast their six drop on six, on turn six. Their, especially their Planeswalker or their spell that gives them creatures or something. Yeah, especially now that we have way more Planeswalkers, there's a more there's a larger emphasis on them. Um, obviously, World Wake had Jace, so you're fighting that kind of battle. Um, but Spell Pierce was awesome in Standard. Um I don't think it was ever a four of, but it was definitely a three of uh, frequently. So that I, I think that'll show up a lot, um, as will Duress, which is also getting a reprint, um, which maybe not a main deck card, um, although it could be depending on the specific format, but definitely a, a sideboard all-star. I just like Duress. It's a great card. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, not too much to say about it because it does what it does. Just takes a non-creature card from your opponent uh, from their hand for a black mana. So it's you know not thoughtsies, but uh, is good in in any matchup where you need to take non-creature spells, which tends to be pretty frequently. Yeah, especially with planeswalkers nowadays. Yeah, this card would have been a, a good printing um, a little while ago in standard. It would have done a lot to help against um aetherworks marble yeah that's true next on the list we have regisaur alpha uh this card is sweet it is three red green for a four four dinosaur when it enters the battlefield you get a three three dinosaur and other dinosaurs you control have haste so it doesn't have haste 
but that 3-3 that it makes does have haste. Oh, and it has the 3-3 has trample as well. So it enters the battlefield and you send them send three trample at their face. Uh, and yeah, it's just makes all your other dinosaurs better. I, I dinosaurs, man. Dinosaurs, dinosaurs. Yeah, this card is great. Um yeah, just getting to serve in with all your follow-up plays at at hasty speed is just great. Yep. Great, great, great. Great, great, great. Yeah, casting this turn four and then turn five, you have some Excel. That's a, a lot of damage because then that next one, you know, comes in with haste. Well, there's still some cards that we can go over from the spoilers and previews. How about let's just jump into our next topic where we kind of look at why scape shift slash titan shift has become such a popular slash powerful deck in the format so i think a big part of why scape shift is seeing uh such a resurgence in modern lately is the uh number of people looking to interact mainly through discard spells um being a land-based uh combo slash kind of control deck uh, scape shift really um, isn't affected by these types of discard effects as much as other decks are. Um, when you have the inevitability of all the lands off the top of your deck turning into lightning bolts, you um, have a, uh, a much more effective late game than something that's uh, relying on not drawing land to kill you at that phase of the game. So um, I think looking at the previous top decks in the format um eldrazi tron and grixis death shadow um you can see that scape shift is favored in both of these matchups um the eldrazi tron deck is trying to punish decks that are attempting to interact with um you know one mana spells and punish them with chalice of the void or to um, protect its threats with a cavern of souls from people attempting to interact with counter magic and then um, you know ramping and, cl- and clocking people with a few creatures um, scape shift is much more consistent in carrying out its um, game plan and goldfishing a kill than a deck like eldrazi tron is and a deck like grixis death shadow but it's actively trying to lower itself to a very low life total and interact with discard is punished by a deck like scapeshift that is happy drawing off the top of its deck and can output a uh, healthy amount of damage to kill the grixis death shadow player um before they can interact i think john i think you hit on a lot of good points there um scapeshift has the unfortunate or wonderful uh side effect depending on how you look at it of having a Late game, that is basically every card in my deck is now worth either a lightning bolt or seven lightning bolts. Uh, And so, you know, you get to a point, you start hitting your land drops, you get to your sixth or your seventh land drop, and suddenly every card in your deck is just going to deal damage to your opponent. Uh, And when you're playing a deck like Grixis Shadow, uh, and I have been on the end, this end of this, I've had my opponent down, you know, where they're almost dead, uh, and then they just top deck a mountain, and I die. Uh, so it's it's kind of a weird place to be in because you can have all the counter spells and discard spells and removal spells in the world, but what are you going to do against a basic mountain? And there's the answer is, is nothing. Uh, and then with Eldrazi Tron, I think in a straight race, 
Scapeshift is slightly faster, um, and Scapeshift probably doesn't care about very many, if any, of the cards in Eldrazi. Um, you know, it doesn't really care about Chalice of the Void. It doesn't care about Dismember or Ratchet Bomb or you know Walking Ballista. Thought Not Seer is probably a little bit annoying, but it's you know Scapeshift can shake off one Thought Seize effect, and then you know a card. Uh, the the creatures in Eldrazi are pretty big, but Primeval Titan tends to be bigger. Uh, and so that's they're just kind of slightly bigger, and so I think they just have a at least a reasonable, if not good, matchup against Eldrazi Tron and Death Shadow, and so that's why it's you know going up to the front of the format. Um, it can beat Affinity because it can play Anger of the Gods, you know, and it can play lots of Lightning Bolts. Um, and if if there's some amount of Abzan or something like that, well, that's a matchup Abzan never wants to see. Uh, I think it does lose to Storm, and maybe that's why Storm has been cropping up. But then Storm, you know, completes that cycle and loses to the loses to the other decks. I think another reason why Storm is um, favored against uh, these Titan Shift decks is aside from just um, having what's likely a faster Goldfish. The Storm decks are playing Blood Moon, and um, Blood Moon is the most effective way to fight against Scape Shift in Modern. And I think we're going to see. A lot more decks coming packing uh, Blood Moon in the next few months. And I think this is going to knock not only the um, Scapeshift decks from their prominent position, but I think it's also going to have a lot of splash damage against decks like Grixis Shadow and maybe even Eldrazi Tron. Um, yeah. I'm interested to see what Blood Moon deck will take this role. It could be just Storm. Or it could be some sort of a blue moon deck. I'm not exactly sure. So I could definitely see the meta moving in that direction moving forward, though. There's other decks, too, that can play Blood Moon. Obviously, Affinity can fit in the side. And um, occasionally you'll see a Zoo deck that works it into the mana base. uh, Or even uh, Jund sometimes. So there's a lot of uh, reasons to be playing Blood Moon right now and Modern. And for that reason, Blood Moon is my slot of the week. So uh, again, for those of you uh, that haven't heard this before, uh, the slot of the week is basically the card that we want in our 75 this week, uh, or a card that we're just really excited for. Uh, So whether it's your main deck or your sideboard, this is a card that you want in your sideboard this weekend uh, to help you win that PPTQ or FNM. Uh, and so again, for me, that card is Blood Moon. It's good against Scapeshift. It's good against Eldrazi, uh, any form of Tron, um, and it actually can just totally ruin an Esper player's day. What are you guys getting into your 75 this week? For me, I'm going to be playing Champion of Wits, which is a uh, three-mana creature. When it enters the battlefield, you draw cards equal to its power, um, and it's a two-one, and then you discard two cards. Then it has Eternalize for blue, blue, and five, which Eternalize makes it a 4-4 when it enters the battlefield. Um, I like this as a one-of in Grixis Control, and I really like where this card is in Standard. Um, I think it'll be one of the Standard Power Players coming up in the next season, um, and I'm just really excited to see what this card can really do. What about you, John? So I'm gonna I'm not gonna be playing in any events uh, this weekend as I'm gonna be on a, a short vacation, but um, a card that I definitely have my eye on for standard is Ripjaw Raptor. 
I'm very excited about this card. I think it is going to be a huge role player in the format. It looks very well positioned against the removal in the format, as well as the size of creatures that people are going to be playing. It slots into what is likely the most powerful deck, Dinosaurs, at least at the level one of the format. Who knows where things will shape up from there, but I think Dinosaurs look quite pushed and even if dinosaurs don't end up being the premier deck of the format i think ripjar raptor is an excellent addition to any kind of green based mid-range strategy um i think it's going to be pulling up all sorts of tasty morsels for people throughout its entire tenure in standard so that about wraps it up steven take us home uh thanks everyone for checking us out and sticking around till the very end uh if you're wondering where you can check out more of our content you can go over to mtgconflicts.com where we have uh, some articles, we have some videos, and we have our last two podcasts as well. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter under the same name, MTG Complex with uh, no space. And if you have any suggestions or comments that you would like us to read, please feel free to email us at themtgconflicts at gmail.com. Again, we really do appreciate you sticking around to the very end, and we hope you join us in the next one.